Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday, when my guest will be Dina Elardo from Notary Public Central, Inc., We will be discussing the misuse of the notary public office and fraudulent documents. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Monica Hammond from Davenport Theatrical Enterprises, Inc., We will be discussing audience development and strategic partnership marketing. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. Well, it's my pleasure. Why don't we begin with your telling us about yourself and your company. Perfect. Um, So I work for a company called Davenport Theatrical Enterprises, and um, I'll get a little bit more into that in a minute since we do uh, a lot of different things uh, within the theatrical community. Uh, I started out in the theater as an actor many, many years ago. Uh, I started out in about second grade when I first performed in Annie, and I became totally hooked on theater right away. Um, And then I actually, I'm from St. Louis originally, and I moved to New York in 2004 to attend NYU for acting, and I got my degree there, and our last semester of college, we had a very interesting class all about how to produce your own Uh, shows and start your own theater company. So my class of about 30 actors started a theater company called The Attic Theater Company, which is still around today. It's almost 10 years old. And we learned very quickly that 30 actors does not a theater company make. So all of us had to put on many different hats. And I assumed the role of what I guess would be the marketing director. And over the course of the next several years, I was doing the actor thing, and I just really uh, found a passion for marketing. So that is when I actually got an internship at my current company, Davenport Theatrical. And within a couple of weeks, I was uh, promoted to a full-time employee, and I worked my way up, and so now I am the director of marketing. So that's, that is very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of uh, career counseling clients who would love to be able to say that they got an internship and in a couple of weeks it became a full-time job. So well done. <laughs> yeah. That's a credit to you. Thank you. Thanks. Now, I think there was our a topic, bit of mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, never underestimate the importance of what I call dumb luck. Yes, I can't exactly. tell you how many people have gotten jobs because they were in the right place at the right time Definitely. and for no other reason. I mean, they were qualified for the job, obviously. But but anyways, 
Our topic is audience development and strategic partnership marketing. What is meant by audience development? That is a great question, and I, I feel like I have a couple of different answers here, depending on if you're working in the nonprofit world of theater versus uh, commercial for-profit theater. Our company, DTE, um, does mostly commercial theater, so audience development um, is a little bit different. If you're talking about a nonprofit theater company like my theater company, The Attic, or a bigger company like MTC or Roundabouts, some of the larger institutions, I see audience development as, for them, it's largely subscription-based. So they want to, of course, get new members. They want to create enrichment programs, have activities, events, talkbacks, things like that to really engage their community of people. So that's to me, that's sort of the nonprofit, uh, very basic model of audience development. Um, for for our company, since we do commercial theater, it's often just a one-off play here or there, either off-Broadway or Broadway. Um, it's a little bit different because as the typical theater goer doesn't necessarily come back to a show, a Broadway show, every single week. You're not going to go to Kinky Boots every single week. You're probably going to go once maybe twice if you have a friend or a family member that wants to see it. So in terms of developing an audience for those shows, uh, we take a, a more strategic approach in terms of niche marketing. We try to develop an audience based on smaller subsets, different groups that could be interested in seeing a show. We call it niche marketing. Yep. That's interesting because mm-hmm. the only – and it's obviously not theater. The only subscription I ever had was many, many years ago to the Israel Philharmonic when I lived in Israel. And best time ever. I saw things that I never thought imaginable. There was one opera singer who came out and for reasons that aren't important, I literally was seated front row center Dumb luck, (laughs) apropos what we were discussing before. And she came out, an American, an African-American woman, who was not large. She was not your – if you think opera, you're thinking a very large woman with a great deal of lung capacity. And when she came out onto the stage, we heard the click of the microphones being turned off. And I looked at the guy next to me, and he looked at me, and we both were thinking the same thing. And where this woman's voice came from, God only knows. But everybody could hear. I mean, she had her voice carried like nobody's business. But Uh sometimes the conductor, when it was a guest conductor, would explain something unique about the music. There would be an educational component and I saw that, and that's what I was thinking of as audience development, where you explain to people, you, you teach them, so that they appreciate what they've just seen or heard, and you draw them in that way. Talk to us about the educational component of audience development. Sure. So, again, with commercial theater, it's a little bit different and probably a little less relevant. But as you were saying with um, 
the nonprofit institutions, smaller theater companies. Um, I'm actually a member of MTC. And what is that? Manhattan Theater Club. Okay. And they they do actually Broadway and off Broadway, all nonprofit. It's a really great company, great work. Um, and they, I unfortunately have not been to any, but I know that they offer, you know, various educational opportunities. Uh, talkbacks are very common, so you go and see the performance, and then the director and or the actors or the creative team get together on stage and talk about. Uh, the show itself, how it was developed. It just basically gives a really interesting inside look at how art is made because so often it can feel so, I guess, untouchable in some ways. Um, Yeah, and so for um, in terms of commercial theater, something that we've done, we produced a show off-Broadway called Daddy Longlegs, which ran at the Davenport Theater for almost a year this, this past year. And we were trying to target one of our niche markets, I suppose, um, were English classes because the show was based on a book. So there was an educational component to this. So I actually, I also went to graduate school to be a drama teacher. So I was able to create what's called a study guide for this show so that teachers could have this guide. It was about 10 pages with different activities and resources information, research about the show itself and the source material. Um, And I suppose that's one way that we were able to work an educational component into our audience development. You've been saying the term, you're using the term Broadway and off-Broadway. I think I know the answer to this question, but explain the difference. Because I know years ago I used to think if it's Broadway, then the theater's on Broadway. But obviously, there are very few, if any, theaters actually on Broadway. So what's the difference between off-Broadway and Broadway? Uh, it has to do uh, solely with the number of seats in the house. So if it has uh, over 500 seats, it's considered Broadway. So you could have an off-Broadway theater um, with 499 seats, and that is considered a very large off-Broadway house, but it is still considered off-Broadway. It's funny, I took a tour with friends from abroad. Uh, we did the bus tour because they only had one day in Manhattan. And mm-hmm. the most interesting thing for me was when the tour guide said exactly what you just said. So um, it, 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 it's, it's funny. Random. Yeah, yeah. You know, nice round number, 500. Well, what's sure. the difference between a 500-seat theater that's half-empty and a 450-seat theater that's full every night. I mean, why is one brought, you know. That is not for us to dispute. No, but now, that is our challenge, filling those seats. <laughs> okay, now, how do you reach out to new audiences while keeping your current audience? Sure. So we're, of course, always seeking new audiences. That's the greatest way to grow a nonprofit company and also fill seats in a you know for-profit Broadway or, or off-Broadway production. But of course, we want people to come back and see the show many times, bring friends. Um, we something we do, which is I think pretty unique uh, at Davenport Theatrical, especially for for-profit productions, is we run what's called a brand ambassador program. 
which is pretty com- uh, common with like larger brands or, or sort of typical businesses. You engage people who have shown an interest in your company. For, for us, it was people who'd seen the show, loved the show. We have them apply to become brand ambassadors, and then we select a few to essentially attempt to sell tickets, promote the show, engage with their fans and friends on social. It helps that these people, of course, have a good social following. Um, yeah, so that's that's one way. Um, we also we, we try to do things that are very different that most theater companies don't do. So we also have pretty robust uh, referral campaigns, which, again, is sort of a, a standard business technique that a lot of theaters don't do. Um, and then we also... We run a lot of contests. We offer often offer free tickets for people to, to come back and bring friends. It's all about building that word-of-mouth buzz, really engaging with the people that are currently have seen the show and who, in theory, are your current audience, but then also having them almost act as an army of promoters as well. Is there a challenge... Or I'll ask it differently. Do you always produce the same genre of plays? Mm -hmm. Or do you produce plays with different genres that would attract different people? So at Davenport Theatrical, we produce a very wide range of things. um, Ken, the CEO of our company, Ken Davenport, has produced many shows on Broadway. He did... Uh, recently, Deaf West, Tony-nominated uh, production of Spring Awakening. Um, Allegiance, it's only a play. Some some larger shows that really don't have anything common with each other. Some are musicals, some are dramas, some are comedies. Um, and then the same thing off-Broadway. You can have a two-person musical. Or we also did a production called That Bachelorette Show, which Ken Davenport also created, which was sort of an interactive off-Broadway experience where people come in and essentially attend an interactive live event. So it's even less of a show than it is more of an experience. So to answer your question, we do all kinds of different things that each require uh, a very different audience. There is a larger, broader audience, which is people who live in New York and the tri-state area who like to see theater. That technically is an audience, but it is you know, very wide, that's a very expensive, difficult uh, group of people to market to, and that's not something that really off-Broadway shows have the budget to do. Um, because, you you know, a typical Broadway budget, let's say, is $100,000 a week for marketing. Those shows have massive amounts of money to put into commercial campaigns and, you know, more uh, broader initiatives, billboards, things like that. Whereas a smaller show, like, for example, That Bachelorette Show, you really you can't market so much just to that large theater-going audience. You have to pick something, like I was saying earlier, a niche audience. Um, for that show specifically, it was engaged women within the tri-state area. We've dealt with the first part of our topic, audience development. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at strategic mm-hmm. partnership marketing. And can you explain to us what that is? please. Sure, of course. So strategic partnerships are, I suppose, partnerships that you make with other companies or institutions and 
something that's mutually beneficial for both parties. For for our shows, we often partner with local restaurants, bars in the area. Right now, one of my clients is Sheer Madness, which is a show playing off Maui at the Davenport Theater. And, you know, some of our strategic partnerships are with bars right down the street because they're a great way to get new people in to see the show. It's very strategic because they're literally right down the street. Um, And then there's, you know, partnerships that are a little more general. Um, This show is about hair salons, so we're doing research on hair salons and trying to partner with them, see what we can do to help get their people in the door, either through a, a couple complimentary tickets to their staff or perhaps it's contests or including in their newsletter or blogs and, and, and things like that. Now, we do have listeners around the country and literally around the world on occasion, but I'm sure everybody's going to understand why I'm asking this question. Do you partnership with parking lots? Uh, we actually have. We did for that Bachelorette show because uh, we had groups coming in from all over, but a lot from Jersey, and they wanted a place to park. So we have partnered with parking lots, yes. So then that would mean (laughs) you show up with your ticket, and then they give a discount? That is correct. That's what they would do. That's how it works. Okay. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Monica Hammond from Davenport Theatrical Enterprises. We are discussing audience development and strategic partnership marketing. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Monica, how are the two related, audience development and strategic partnership marketing? Sure. So they're, I mean, I I suppose they go hand in hand. You can use strategic partnerships to help build new audiences that would not otherwise have access, uh, that we wouldn't have access to, that wouldn't necessarily be exposed to the show, especially for smaller shows, off-Broadway shows. I do a lot of partnership marketing um, because you can't necessarily afford, like I said, to just blast out tons of email blasts or you know, do larger branding campaigns, awareness campaigns. So it's important to get very specific with who you're talking to. Um, so, yeah, so that really, it really helps bring new people in the door that we might not otherwise be able to reach, at least not affordably. And it is free. Strategic no. <laughs> partnerships are typically either free or, you know, it's a, it's a give and a take situation. Now, the... Sorry, uh, as listeners, sadly, over the last few weeks have heard me say, and I was hoping I wouldn't have to apologize today, but I am still fighting a cough, and Mm. I apologize for the hesitation. Now, you've got, how do you choose with whom to partner? Because some things will be consistent. The parking lot that's nearest to you is somebody you want to partner with all the time because you want to bring in the people from Jersey. But right. if you're doing Annie, what do the hair salons care about Annie? 
Exactly. So how do you build up long-term relationships and partnerships? Well, I will say we're in a unique position in that our company also runs the actual theater, the Davenport Theater. So it helps us to build partnerships in the area. Um, And we can maintain those long-term. We can use those for any of our shows that are actually playing in the theater. And we can also use them to help shows that come into the theater as well um, that aren't necessarily shows that we're producing, but could benefit from that um, strategic partnership as well. And in terms of who we choose, uh, again, it just completely depends on what the show is, the subject matter of the show. We always, like I said, break it down into niche audiences. So we figure out, you know, if it's a show we're trying to target brides in New Jersey, then we should probably partner with some people in New Jersey, uh, first and foremost. And for that show, we actually went out to Jersey, a couple different local areas, and worked with some local bridal salons there to run contests for their brides, giving away free tickets or discounts, or we had, you know, fun packages and things like that. Um, so that's, you know, it, it just greatly depends on what the show is. So oh, how do you judge the success of the partnership? Because you're giving away a free ticket, and obviously your goal is to get the person to come back and pay the next time to see a show because they recognize the quality of your productions. Sure, that is definitely a huge part of it. We would, of course, love people to come back and pay. Um, Another big part of it is word-of-mouth marketing. A lot of times shows want to try to give as many complimentary tickets away towards the very beginning of the run of a show as possible because, in theory, the more people that come in and see the show early on, the more word-of-mouth spreads among friends, communities, the more chances people will actually talk about it and hear about it. So it's very tricky to sort of evaluate the success of that. Social media is a great way. You can sort of see if people are talking about you on the Internet, if they're engaging with your Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, things like that. Um, But it can be challenging (laughs) to track the success at times. One, One thing that we do that is concrete is, we often make um, specific discount codes for our partners. So if one thing that we're offering them is they can give a discount to their, their patrons at their bar. Um, in exchange, they'll you know, stuff a program for the uh, flyer for the show in their, in their checks. So we can track if anyone uses the code, the specific discount code that's on that flyer, then we know that they came from, let's say, that bar or that bridal salon. So you can tell, you know, Concretely, if we sell tickets, then in theory it's working. <laughs> when you mentioned flyer, all of a sudden Playbill came to mind. And I don't know if you can answer this question, but mm-hmm. uh, every Broadway show, so far as I know, has that program, and it's called Playbill. Mm-hmm. Do you have that as well? How does that work? What is is the Playbill some sort of a company that produces the programs for uh, theaters? It is, yeah. Playbill does a lot of different things. They actually they do make the programs, and they recently started a very cool program specifically for the off Broadway community because it can be very expensive to print programs. People probably have no idea how much it costs. 
Um, so I don't know off the top of my head the specifics about it, but I know that you can you can you pay to have the programs printed, and then in exchange they also give you bonus advertising. Because one way that Playbill makes their money is that people advertise in the programs, and people can choose to advertise across all the Broadway shows or across all the off-Broadway shows. And there's also a thing in the back of the Playbill called the ABCs, which is the small little like one inch by two inch listings of every single off Broadway and Broadway show. That's something that people have to pay for. I was just curious. Yeah. I've seen, and also, Playbill um, has a really robust um, like email list. So you'll often, if you're a subscriber of Playbill, you'll get email blasts with discounts and, and things like that. I can remember, uh, what was Newsies? I think that was the name of it. Mm-hmm. That was a fun show. You remember the show, uh, mm-hmm. Play Newsies? Uh, I used to teach, this was years ago, I used to teach in Manhattan, and when I would forget, I would walk down whatever street the theater was on where Newsies was playing, and there would be a line around the block, and mm-hmm. that would add five minutes to my walk to the Port Authority to get back to Jersey. <laughs> But it was funny when uh, on Wednesdays after the matinee, when the matinee was getting out, everybody would have their playbill. And then I started mm-hmm. to notice every theater has the same playbill, the same. It's almost like it's the logo. So that that's mm-hmm. where that question mm-hmm. came from. So I thank you for your uh, response. And I, I wonder what? if for Broadway they have to contractually mm-hmm. do that or not. That'd be a good question figure out. We will look it up. (laughs) We will. (laughs) What impact does the audience have on determining partnerships? Uh, Well, like I said earlier, it's all about that that niche. Um, Or I suppose the location of the theater as well if we're talking about uh, garages or restaurants and bars and things like that. Um, But you want to make sure that they line up. If I'm trying to target brides in New Jersey, then working with a restaurant in Long Island probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, What I'm really getting at, I guess, is what feedback do you get from your audience about partnerships, if any? That's a great question. I am not sure that we get a whole lot of feedback that's something we could certainly work on because I know that obviously the partners that we work with want to know if it's working on their end as well. So that would that would be something to look into. We do a lot of surveys, which is also something not a lot of shows do or companies do. Um, that could definitely be something to add to our survey. It would seem to me that just in general, you know, brides and bride shops, you know, that's uh, obvious, but if your audience says, you know, we appreciate the 10% off from parking and the 15% off at the restaurant, then you know you have to keep up with the parking lots in the restaurants. Right, right. You just have to keep doing it. Monica, this has been, <laughs> Monica, this has been a lot of fun. I thank you for coming on. Before I let you go, tell us how to get in touch. Sure. So you can find us online. Our website is DavenportTheatrical.com. 
and you'll find everything you need to know about our company. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, my email address is monica at davenporttheatrical.com. And I thank you. And we should say how to spell theatrical because there is the uh, – oh, no, theatrical is spelled the same way in Britain as it is in the United States. So that's not a problem. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> I do know – all right. So I want to thank you. This has been informative. It's been fun. I thank you, and I hope you'll come back on. Thank you. Yes, I do as well. I appreciate it. And as always, I want to give a special thank you to our listeners. And I am certain that Monica joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week. <laughs>